Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. I want to just briefly just share something with you just to kind of segue, transition into today's message. Um, Twitter. Who's on Twitter? Anyone else? All right. So I don't know if this is still the same, but in the beginning days of Twitter, not the beginning, but the middle, more like, you had 140 characters. I don't know if you remember that. But you would start typing and you would see the count. And for those of us who have something that we want to say, 140 characters is like, But here is, here is what I want to share with you. People don't care what you want to say. They want to know what do you really want to say. I, I love people and, and sometimes I listen to someone tell a story and, and, and I'm like, you could have told me that story in 30 seconds but you spent eight minutes of my time circling the mountain and telling me how you felt about the story that you haven't even told me yet. And now you're telling me the meaning of a story. I haven't even heard the full story. And I don't know what the heck you're saying. And I don't know if you know what the heck you're saying, but you are actually wasting my time. Now, I don't want to sound rude, but sometimes it's a lot. When you're listening to someone and you're going, like when you listen to politicians, it's like you didn't say anything. What is it that you're saying? And what I find is that today I want to talk to you about the point. What is the point? What is the, what is the, what is the message? What is, what is God saying in sending his son? And to simplify that and, 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 and to, to make it a tweet, God wants to live in and among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And what I found is that when he's there, everything is different when God is there in a real and manifested way. Have you ever walked into an environment and you're like, something is different about this environment. When God is somewhere, things are different. We sang a song, it said, hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Did you hear that? I have watched that happen all over the world with some of the most crazy and evil people. Evil. 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 That have done very, very, very bad things. And yet, they come into the presence of God and they come undone. And, and like a flower, melt. Murderers, people that kill people, unfold them. I'm talking about in a puddle of tea, completely unfolded in the presence of God. And so when God is somewhere, everything is different. Which is why many times people don't want to invite him. It's like, well, it's like visitation rights. 
We'll visit Jesus on a Sunday. He is not invited uh, into the house. Uh, we'll tithe. We'll pay child support. But weekend visitation rights only. And it's, it's when I say you're going to pick that child up. Well, Jesus is not a baby in a manger anymore. As Misty Edwards said, he's not a broken man in a cross. And he didn't stay in the grave. And he's not staying in heaven forever. So Jesus is Lord. So it's easy to celebrate this day and look at a little baby manger, baby in a manger, and it's cute. And what we like about that is we can sanitize it and control it. Because he's a little baby and he lets me open my gifts and I can do whatever I want and go about my business as I want and live as I am. But that's not the story and that's not the message. The message is so radical. It's so crazy. It doesn't even make sense. It's so good. Paul talked about it as a scandal, the good news as a scandalon, which is like a scandal. And uh, it's almost like God is saying, I know who you really are and, and where you really are, and I want to move in. <laughs> like, uh, and you're like, but Lord, I, I, like, um, I like pornography. I like cocaine a little bit. Nobody knows that, but I, <laughs> I like cocaine a little bit. And people don't think I, you know, they, people don't think we know that they like cocaine a little bit, but some of us know, you, you know, and they say, but Lord, I, I like, you know, I like, I like money a lot, actually. Or I, I like, you know, I like, I had a friend, he always called woman, plural, women's. So it's like, he obviously liked women, you know, like women were always women's. So, so like, but I have a problem, Lord, you, you don't know what I did. Or you don't know what I like. And God goes, okay, that's all right. I actually, I do know, and I still want to move in. That, that is the essence of the gospel and the good news is that he, he came to dwell among us. But not for us to become comfortable in bondage for us to actually desire freedom. When, when you get exposed to something that is beyond who you are and beyond where you are, it's not so that you can become jealous or envious or suspicious of someone, but it's so that you can grow. Right, Jose? W were you taking a video about that the other day? About the invitation. You can see someone who's further than you, and you can see it as an invitation, or you can be insecure and suspicious, and how did this, and why that, and why you, instead of when you get around God, and you get around freedom, and you get around someone that loves you where you are, but too much to leave you there, that you become comfortable with being uncomfortable, realizing that he loves you enough to come to you, but not to leave you like that. That to me is good news. Because there's no pretense in it, because there's no fakeness from him, because he knows our situation. He knows, okay, I know that guy, he has problems, I want to move in. I know her, she's messed up, that's okay, I'm coming. They're dysfunctional, that's alright, I want to live with them. Like, this is not someone who like, oh, once he finds out the truth about you, he's like, <laughs> you know, this is like, hey, I get it. I'm coming. I'm here for you. But, but, but you have to be 
responsive to Emmanuel. Anyway, all right. That was just the, 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 the prelude to the eternal gospel here. I'm going to read you a few prophecies and show you how they land on Jesus. Isaiah 7. This is uh, verse 14. I'm just going to read one verse. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the sign is that a virgin would have a child. I don't know if you realize that, but that's actually a miracle. And so the, the, the seed that would normally be from a man through sex, right? Right? The Holy Spirit came over Mary and God imparted life to Mary. One of the things you have to remember about Jesus is Jesus is begotten, not created. Jesus is not a creation. Jesus is the creator. All false religions have one thing in common. They, they attack the, 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 the divinity and the supremacy of Jesus. That's why you can say, God, 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 God. Once you put Jesus' name on God, people get uptight. Because if Jesus is Lord, that means we have to submit to him. If he's a sovereign, then we have to submit to him. So we can talk about God, God, God. But when you, once, you, once you narrow it down onto Jesus, people get, they get a little uptight. So anyway, therefore you shall... He will give you a sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. Right here, you are, you are hearing humanity and divinity. For unto us a child is born. This is speaking of the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Unto us, this is the mystery of our faith. The mystery of our faith is the, is the humble love of condescension that God would make himself poor so that we could become rich. That God, who is from the highest of heights, who has everything, doesn't need anything, would humble himself and love us so much and want us to know what he's like so much that he would put on skin, step through the womb of a virgin and step right into our human condition and show us how to live, but not as one who is detached from us, as one who lives among us. See, that's the difference between religion and people who are real. Religious people will always try to keep some sort of a distance because they're not real and they don't want you to discover who they really are. Why can't I leave my phone around? Because I don't have anything to hide on my phone. <laughs> You're going to see weightlifting videos, food, clothes. Weightlifting videos, food, clothes, picture of my wife. Weightlifting food, clothes, videos of children. There's nothing to hide, so there's no pretense. So God knows who we really are, so it's okay for us to be honest with him about our situation because I can't find help until I'm willing to be honest. This is why I listen to people and I, and I listen, listen, and I know that person is not ready for help. 
I can't help them. I can have a $3 million nugget from heaven of, of wisdom that will change their situation, but until they be quiet and stop talking and stop deflecting and start listening, they can't get no help. That's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, someone a shout out. They're not here today. But that's why I love Brett so much. Because Brett is real. You already know he's crazy, but he's real. Yesterday, I, the other day, I sat down and we're exchanging and I, and I shared something with him. Most people would have buckled, deflected, wiggled. He looked me in the face and he said, thank you. Thank you. Most people, it's what I want to do. It's what me. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to say something to you that will help you. So I know when people are willing and ready to change, when they start listening, stop deflecting, stop dancing, and, and sit there and take it because you will never get better unless you're willing to take it. You cannot. Not at anything. Not financially, not with weights, not with losing weight, not with building wealth, not with relationships. Nothing until you're willing to be accountable and held accountable. You will never become better. Not at anything. So if you avoid critique or correction, you will stay right where you are. That's what many people are stuck in church because they are too insecure to receive a rebuke. The best thing that my pastor did for me is rebuke me relentlessly for years. Shut up. He used to tell me, shut up. You can't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't do that. That was the best thing he did for me because why do I want to climb a wall and realize the ladder is on the wrong wall? That's what people do. They, 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 they spend their whole life climbing a wall to realize the ladder is on the wrong wall. And then you know what they do? A lot of them jump right off the wall. So anyway... I don't know even why I'm doing this, but for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, it's only getting darker. <laughs> the Bible says this is all going to happen anyway. Sorry. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Christians can't get that. It's like when things go bad, they like it. That's a sick person. In the name of faith. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David... And over his kingdom, watch the first thing that he's going to do. Order it. Order it. Got to be in order. If it's going to be blessed, got to be in order. 
If it's not in order, it cannot handle the weight of blessing. Blessing produces pressure in your life. You will become, if you're blessed, you'll be in high demand. If you're blessed, people will put pressure on you to do things you're not supposed to do. If you're blessed, you have an ability to do things that you shouldn't do. So if, if you're not in order, you're going to hurt yourself. If your marriage is not in order, when God begins to bless your life, you're going to hurt yourself. If your spine is not in order and you put a heavy load on it, you're going to hurt yourself. On and on and on. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of, his, of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice or righteousness and justice from that time forward, even forever. Here's the good news. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. So this is the good news. When I say this to you, the kingdom of God is moving forward with or without you. The same way I say, do it. You hear me say, I'm going to go to lunch. With or without you. The other day, DK, you know, he couldn't come. The coach didn't come. I went to River House by myself and had dinner by myself. And I had a merry time. <laughs> because I'm going with or without you. The same way the kingdom, the kingdom is going to move forward with or without me. I'm not indisposable, indispensable. The kingdom of God is moving forward and it is based on the Lord's zeal himself. Zeal is the grit to get something done. Do you know that in integrity there's grit? <laughs> you better... <laughs> oh man, you, like if you're going to be kingdom, you got to become durable. Some people are too fickle. Oh, I don't feel like it. I don't feel good. I don't care what I feel. Sometimes you have to tell the feelings to sit down and shut up. And we're going to do what we came to do. And then the feelings will respond later and you'll feel better after you did what was right, not before. Because the way the feelings work is you do something bad and you're stuck with shame. You ever do that? Have you ever regretted drinking a protein shake? I've never. Have you ever had a milkshake or like, you know, something desserty? And you're sitting there going, that was too much. You never regret wisdom. You never regret making the right decision. You, you don't regret that. What you regret is a decision that gives you pleasure now and pain later. I would rather have pain now and pleasure following me than pleasure now that leads to shame and disruption. So th this is the Prince of Peace. This is, this is a scripture speaking about the humanity and the divinity of Jesus after the seed of David, the, the, the seed of Israel, Jesus, Israel's Messiah, who is the Savior of the world, who has a kingdom that knows no end. And this kingdom is marked by peace. God is zealously peaceful. <laughs> it's like God is an aggressive peacemaker. Like, this is really, really good news. And um, now, the word wonderful here in Hebrew is the word miracle. Miracle. This is the interesting thing. The very foundation of our faith 
is miraculous, so it is impossible to believe in Jesus and not believe in miracles because Jesus coming through the womb of a virgin was miraculous. So the very foundation of our faith is miraculous. You cannot build on anything other than that which is miraculous. We have people that they, they have some sort of intellectual assent to some sort of knowledge, but their faith is not in the power of God. It's in the wisdom of men. And when that man falls, or when that wisdom is tested, or when the disappointment happens, they lose their faith. But your faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men. It stands in the power of God. And this is a God who brings the dead to life, a God who speaks, and a baby comes out of a virgin's womb. Do you believe that? Yes. Do I believe that's a metaphor? No. Do I believe that's literal? Yes. I do. Even the Muslims believe that. So anyway, his name will be called Wonderful or Miracle, Counselor. <laughs> we are so dysfunctional. <laughs> maybe not you, maybe me. We are so dysfunctional and broken. I know you're saved now. I know you're, you know, you're all together, makeup and stuff. We are so dysfunctional that God said, I'm going to have a counselor move in. And you're going to spend a whole lot of your time resisting him and not listening to him and pretending like you don't hear him, but he's really patient. God doesn't change the subject. We put on earplugs. And you know what you do? You damage your conscience when you, don't, when you don't allow God to deal with something in your life. You hurt yourself. How do I say it? Because I know I've done it. You hurt yourself that way. Your conscience is your ability to respond to the Lord well. Why do you want to damage that for what you want? Listen, if what I want matters more than what God says, that's a big problem. That's a really big problem. Like what you want and what I want is cool. As long as we don't want it more than we want what God says. So when what I want becomes more important with what, than what God says, that's called idolatry. Do you know how God deals with idolatry with his children? People are like, oh, that's, God wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he did. God says to Israel, oh, word? Oh, word? Oh, yeah, you like idolatry? No problem. I will move you into the very heart and epicenter and have you carried away into the idolatry capital of the world. How about Babylon? <laughs> that's how God, oh, that's what you want? Oh, you like idols. Okay, no problem. No problem. Since you like idols so much, a whole nation can be carried away into the epicenter of idolatry. Go for it. You like idols? Go ahead. You, oh, you want to do it your way? No problem. Go for it. I'll wait. I got 490 years till Jesus comes. Go ahead. Do that. See, they didn't take the warning. The king Jehoiakim, what he wanted was more important than what God said. And when that is the leadership that you're under, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. 
That's why the first thing that Jesus comes to do for the kingdom is to order it. All right. Anything that is not in order is dysfunctional, which means it cannot function as it is ordained to function, which means there will be frustration. All right. This is all free. I'm trying to help you. I love you. Even on Christmas, I'm, I, I know this is not easy, but mighty God, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Jesus had no earthly children, but he is known as the everlasting Father. And you see in Mark 2, Jesus addresses a man who is nameless, and he calls him son. The Greek word he uses is technon. He calls a grown man a little boy. <laughs> Jesus is something else. Jesus has a great, listen, I want to just tell you one thing about Jesus' personality. Jesus is the most wonderful person you will ever meet in your life. He's classic. He's like, oh, okay, Israel, you like idols? You can move to Babylon. Oh, Naaman, you want to get cleansed of your leprosy? No problem. I'm going to cleanse you in the dirtiest river I can find. And you're the big dog, and so instead of me going to the prophet and sending the big dog prophet to you, I'm going to send his little intern who's a thief. His greedy intern. His greedy broke intern. I'm going to send him to deliver the message to you. And your breakthrough came from a slave girl. So I'm going to cleanse your dirtiness in a filthy river. Because I'm God. How do you like that? Oh, the disciples. Oh, poor guys. Did you have a rough day? Are you tired? Oh, poor boys. Oh, you must be having a really rough day. You want to send everyone home? Feed them. People are not ready for Jesus, bro. People are not ready for the real Jesus. The real Jesus will really flip your tables upside down. You go to the real Jesus looking for consolation, he will rebuke you and tell you to wake up. <laughs> How do I know? Well, he's done it to me. Micah, we're, we're almost, we're getting there. Don't worry. We're... Now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on his cheek. This is speaking of the Messiah. Matthew 27, Mark 15, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet you shall come forth to me, the one to be a ruler in Israel. Whose going forth are from old and from everlasting. This is a very important part of our faith. Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. He did not become God. God became a man. God became poor so that you could become rich. Do you know how traumatic that is? I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you something. There's a book by a man named Tom Rath. He wrote a book called Well-Being. And in the book, men, men recover from the death of a spouse or from the death of a child faster than they recover for being unemployed for 18 months. This is scientific if you, if you, if you do science. Uh, and so real science, actually. So 
so do you know how traumatic it is for someone who's rich to become poor? <laughs> now, if you're always poor, you don't know. <laughs> you're just poor. But if you've been rich, I remember David T. DeMola. I don't know if you know who he is. But he was in the middle of a recession. He's a word of faith preacher. And he said, I'm going to prove to you that we're not in any recession. He received one offering over a half a million dollars on a Wednesday night. He said, the kingdom is not hurting. He said this. He said, I've been rich <laughs> and I've been poor and I'd much rather be rich. <laughs> so anyway, God became poor so that you could become rich. Some people get offended at this. It is very traumatic for someone who has everything to lose everything. It's very traumatic. Because with wealth comes a sense of power, a false sense of identity, a false sense of power. All these different things come with it. You have the deceitfulness of riches, which money lies to you. And money makes you, makes you think you're wise because you're maybe skilled in one area, but you don't know anything about anything and anything else. And then they get you on TV and say, hey, Mr. Rich Guy, tell us your opinion about politics. And you don't know about politics. He knows about Excel spreadsheets. That's what Bill Gates. They, like he's the, he, it's as if he's the doctor, but he's not a doctor. But the reason they're asking his opinion is because he has money. But that doesn't mean he knows what he's talking about because he never practiced medicine. So the deceitfulness of riches will make you think that you know something that you don't know and make you look like a fool, which all of us can do. You have the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of sin. My point here is that God was willing to become poor so that you would become rich. So God was willing to sacrifice himself so that you would enter into life as he intended it in him and with him and through him, but he's for you. That's why to me, I want to listen to God because God is for me. It's not like I'm listening to a psychopath who wants me to destroy my life and who wants to take something from me. I am, I am listening to someone that gave everything, that was not satisfied with everything, would rather have me. So if I actually believe that, because we have, there's a lot of unbelief in the house, a lot of unbelief. If I actually believe that really, if I really believe that, why wouldn't I listen to that? The issue is maybe you don't believe it. You say you believe it, but your actions do not show that you believe it. So we're just trying to become believers here. So now, but you, Ephrata, this is Bethlehem, Ephrata, this is saying that Jesus, let me continue. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth one to me, uh, the, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Let's continue. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the name of in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Come on. And this one, this one, capital one, this one shall be 
peace. So I don't have peace. I have Jesus. Jesus is my peace. That's different. That means if you knock on the door, Jesus is answering the door. Hello. <laughs> you coming to disrupt? Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> so I don't have peace. I have Jesus who is my peace. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah says, the Lord, our righteousness. I don't have righteousness. I have the Lord. He is my righteousness. Righteousness has me. <laughs> that sounds like a better deal. <laughs> anyway, all right. So you have all these prophecies, and then they're going to be fulfilled in Matthew 1 and 2, which is actually where we're supposed to be going today. All that was just extra. Matthew 1. We'll start in verse 18. And don't worry, this is not going to be a full hostage, only a halfway hostage. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for, what is, for, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son. The word there is huyos, which is a very interesting word. It's not the word technon, which is a whole other thing. But for the Bible people that read the Bible, I thought I'd share that with you. And she shall bring forth a son. And you shall call his name, G and, who and you shall call him. You see that? Who's calling him? Joseph. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. In other words, he didn't sleep with her. So this is, this is very important because Joseph is thinking about a situation and the angel appears to him with instructions and direction. Joseph does not have an emotional overreaction or an emotional reaction. He does not lose control of himself and freak out. He doesn't have an emotional reaction. If, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't get that under control, you're going to sabotage yourself. you got to get that under control. These outbursts, eruptions, craziness, you got to get that under control. You have to get healed, and that's got to get under control. Because you'll never go forward until that's under control. So now he doesn't have this outburst, this crazy, you're, you're, you're some sort of this or that, you crazy hoe, this and that. Why can you do this to me? You know, he does I mean... Come on, you got, are you, are you, all right. But he was a just man, and he was willing to put her away privately. She disgraced him openly. He was willing to go private. 
All this public meltdown on Facebook, Instagram, don't do that. Private. There are certain things that should be handled privately, not publicly. Not healthy. So, and, and let me say something. Joseph had a proof text. Joseph could have had Mary stoned because she was with child. And this is a culture that they stone adulterers. They don't say, welcome to the ministry team. You could be a deacon, you know, deacon wet willy. But no, they stone immorality. Do you understand what I'm saying? They stone immorality. This happens in the Middle East today. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it happens. He had a biblical proof text to kill her. If you're looking for a proof text to do what you want, you can find one. But is it what God wants? Is it what the Holy Spirit is saying? Is it the truth according to actually the truth, not according to what you think is the truth or what you hope is the truth? It's not your truth. People go, now it's my truth. There's no such thing as your truth. It's either the truth, it's either true for everyone, or it's not true. And just because you feel it doesn't mean it's real. It doesn't mean it's true. That's a whole other thing. We'll leave that alone for today. So here what's happening is jo Joseph is a just man, and he basically, to people, he looks like a sucker. Can I tell you that? Is that all right? He looks like he's marrying a hoe. I mean, are you, are, I know this is not a little, this is a little bit much, but this was not a culture where they were like, you know, abort 12 kids, have five kids, yeah, whatever you want to do, awesome, hey, change the sex of your kid, whatever makes you feel good. This is not that type of culture. This is a culture that they were betrothed before they were married. There was a culture that they believed in commitment before pleasure. That's a very important foundation for a marriage if the marriage will last. That's a whole nother message. But th th so, so he could have said, well, the law of Moses says to stone the adulterer. And uh, you got a baby, and we don't know how you got a baby. I mean, just be honest. Imagine your wife comes to you and goes, oh, uh, your fiance, yeah, yeah, I'm with a, a baby, for, you know, a virgin baby. I'm God showed up. Yeah, yeah sure, okay. But it, but, it, but it actually happened, and God confirmed that it was happening, and God confirmed with Scripture that this is what God said was going to happen. That's why you have to be present with truth. You have to be in present truth. What is God saying? So anyway, Joseph does the right thing, and his, his, the reward is that Joseph gets to name the baby. Mary didn't name the baby. God named the baby, the angel named the baby, but it was Joseph's voice. The voice of the father gives identity and purpose, not the mother. I know people get upset with me, but this is the Bible, I'm sorry. So anyway, this is, this is something. So Jesus, and he will save his people from the sins. Now, verse... Uh, Matthew 2, 
I gotta go through this quick. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. The scripture says in Psalm 19 that the heavens, plural, declare the glory of God. Heavens, plural, there's three heavens. There is the heavens where God the Father and the angelic hosts are. There is the second heaven where the demonic realm is and they are the heavens where the sky, the moon and the stars are. All three of those heavens declare the glory of God and testify to the Son of God. The Father opens up heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The angels come and minister to him. They strengthen him. The demons go, ah, you're here to torment us before the time. Ah! Even the demons have to tell the glory of the Son of God. And the, the, the first heaven, which is a natural created order, which he breathed into existence out of his mouth, had to come over to where that baby was and shine because his voice put that star in the sky. That's, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about Jesus. Not a little sweet baby. A God who breathed the world into existence, who created the heavens and the earth, spoke the word, held the world together with one word of his power, died on the planet that he put where it was. It had to stay where he put it. it had to, the Bible says in Psalms that you have exalted your word above your own name. For three days when you could, could not call upon his name, his word is forever settled in heaven. He was watching over his word to perform it. And the planet that he created and put there served the purpose in which he put it there. And he held all things together by the word of his power. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. Because sometimes when I'm like, Jesus spoke to me, I don't know what Jesus you're talking about. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. The Jesus that's worthy to be obeyed and listened to. The Jesus that has the right to tell me, you're wrong, be quiet. Don't do that. Don't live like that. Don't think like that, Jesus. The Jesus that gave himself for us. This is all good news. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when they had gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is Micah. Then Herod, when they heard, he had secretly, excuse me, when Her then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king... They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, when they saw the young child with Mary his mother, they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, see, wherever heaven is open, treasure is open. That's another thing. They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. God is warning them 
That, that guy, Herod, doesn't have good intentions. It's God's job to lead you into all truth. It's your job to let him lead you. This is civil disobedience. God is teaching them civil disobedience. Herod is a ruler. He is wicked. Do not obey him. You won't hear stuff like this in most churches on Sunday. I, what did the pastor talk about? Civil disobedience. You know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay taxes or you shouldn't live lawfully or, or wear your seatbelt or whatever. But I'm saying that God knows that when people are not honest and when they're disingenuous, and his promise is to lead us into all truth, and we don't have to believe a lie in the name of love. God would never require you to trust someone who's untrustworthy. Love is unconditional. Honor is unconditional. Respect is unconditional. Trust is totally conditional. I will only trust you as much as your integrity will permit me to trust you. I cannot trust you beyond your integrity. And here's what I learned. Your self-control is what determines your level of integrity. So if you don't have self-control, I cannot really trust you. Because you will sacrifice me for what you want. If you don't know how to say no to yourself, you will sacrifice the relationship for what you want. One of the things I learned in a, as, as a pastor is that people will never be more faithful to you than they are to Jesus. So if they don't value their relationship with Jesus, if they'll fornicate or do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, my level of trust for them can only be so much because they will sacrifice what is right for what they want. Now I know that I don't judge you on performance, you only judge me on performance, no pressure. I don't mind that, I know what I signed up for, but I'm just letting you know, you can love people, but just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to trust them. See? So anyway, this is really something. They came to give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's three things that this is saying. That Jesus is a king. Gold is a gift fit for kings. Frankincense is the incense that rises. It is a sweet, selling, uh, sweet savor unto the Lord. It is, it is a sweet fragrance to the Lord. That is speaking of him as the high priest. And the myrrh is speaking of two different things. It is a bridal thing. It is a love thing. He is our bridegroom, God, and king. Not a Song of Solomon bridegroom who slaps the, uh, the woman. That's a whole other message. I should be careful about that. <laughs> Starting a fire there. He, he is a bridegroom, God, who is passionately in love with us. And it's not about an erotic romance, but it's about a loving commitment. Okay? In addition to that, myrrh is one of the things that they would embalm dead people with. They were saying, you're born to die. Ha! You were born to die. How about, you want to talk about significant gift givers? <laughs> we'll help you out with your future, get some gold. Oh, don't worry, you got some cologne, you smell good. And oh, by the way, you're going to die. It's like, here's that. <laughs> it's like, talk about prophetic gift giving. I mean, these guys are prophetic. Now, one of the things that true worship involves is sacrifice and risk. Because these men had to journey through a wilderness, a desert, 
They had to, there's bandits, thieves, there's the elements, there's all types of things that these guys have to pass through to get to where they're going. Are you guys tracking with me? It's a long journey. And they didn't come empty-handed, but they came to give. But also worship sometimes requires our dignity. I know that we're very dignified. We look good. Filters, we look cute. We go, Sunday, what am I going to wear? All that, that's great. But this is something different because now you have grown men who have money, who have influence, who have an entourage, who have bodyguards, and they're going and they're now bowing before a child. You, you know, in, in, H, in, in Eastern culture, there is, there is an honor system. I don't know if you know that. We go, I don't honor nobody. I don't respect nobody. I don't listen to nobody, yo. I do my own thing. Yo. Oh, yeah, you'll be broken dumb like that. In, in the Eastern culture, I watched it. I was in a, in a pastor's conference in India. Apostle Philip walks in the room, 400 men immediately standing on their feet at attention as soon as he walked in immediately. They stand for their elders. You know, in some cultures today, when someone old walks in, you stand up. So for these kings, or for these wise men, or for these, if we could, you know, New Jerseyify it, these rich guys, hello, these rich guys, these men of influence, I'm an influencer, these men of influence come and bow down before him. Worship, real worship, requires your dignity. I'm not saying make yourself look stupid on purpose. I'm saying that real worship requires your dignity. So I am more after God than I am after how you feel about me or how you think about me. I'm not thinking about how you're thinking about me. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm thinking about Jesus. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but honestly, I mean that. So, so this is really... And most of the people that are thinking about how people are thinking about them are mistaken because people are not thinking about them. <laughs> anyway. Now when the angel had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Oh my God, Joseph, in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Who is God speaking to? God is not speaking to Mary. God is speaking to Joseph because Joseph is the one that God is going to hold responsible. God will always speak to the head. I know we don't like this. I know. I know. But this is God. I'm sorry. I'm here to apologize for God. No, like, God is speaking to the head. God said, Joseph, you name him, not her. She carried him out. She did her thing. That's good. You name him. God speaks to Joseph. God warns Joseph, not Mary. That's why men, if, if men are not in order, it's really, a, it's, it's a bad. Arise, take the young child. So now one of the most common expressions of the love of God is God as a father is warning us. Don't do that. Don't go over there. They don't have your best interests at heart over there, Joseph. 
I know you're a nice guy, Joe, but hey, they want to kill the kid, Joe. I know that you're nice and merciful, and you'll marry Mary, and you're really sweet, and you'll, you know, do it privately, but they're not like you, Joe. They want to kill that baby. <laughs> God is always looking out, okay? Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. For he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. So all the places that, that Israel failed in Egypt, Jesus succeeded in all of the places Israel failed. They failed in the wilderness. He started the mission and succeeded there. Everywhere we failed as humans, Jesus did not. Everywhere we broke and we buckled under temptation and pressure, Jesus did not. So we have someone who not only can feel us, someone who walk in victory and can lead us to victory. I'm not following someone who cannot lead us to victory. I don't know who you're following. I'm not listening to people that don't know what they're talking about. So this is really something. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. He sent forth to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all the districts from two years old, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled the word that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, a great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing uh, to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Do you, do you see what's happening? God is directing the family, I'm sorry, through the man. But if the man is not listening, the family is going to be hurt. This is, I can't, I cannot, I cannot say how, how important it is for a man to put God first. Maybe you say, I don't know God. I don't even know if I believe God. Well, start believing him. He believes in you. And, and, and invite him into the mess of your life. Because it's all a mess. When I met Jesus, I was a hot mess. And without Jesus, it would be like three minutes and 26 seconds. And I would be a hot mess without Jesus. Just so you know. So I'm not pointing at anyone. Invite him into your mess. Say, hey, I, you know, I got some problems. I like this. I like that. I need... Invite him in and let him direct you and warn you and redirect you. This is all good news, by the way. So anyway, I want to finish in the next two or three minutes. But this is really something here because God is fulfilling scripture. And he's using dreams and angels. He's, he's guiding Joseph, who's leading his family well. Who is then preparing, watch what Joseph is doing. Joseph is preparing his stepchild for his purpose in the kingdom. Through Joseph being willing to say, I don't care what people think about me or say about me. I'm going to marry Mary. No one, no human spent more time with Jesus than Joseph. Joseph spent 12 hours a day, 6 days a week. For 18 years. No one spent more time with Jesus. And you know what God's love language is? Quality time. 
quality time. You see people, I'm telling you, you know people who spend time with God. You see it. It's on them. You see it. You may not even like them, but it's on them. You, because who you hang out with gets on you. Who and what you listen to gets on you. You know someone who spends time with God. And, and you know what I found out? Some of God's friends are crazy. But God doesn't care, and, and they don't care either. Because when God's blessing and favor is on someone, you can see it. You may not like it. You may be like, why them? Why not me? Why does he got to have that? Why got to have that? Why got to have this? Why got to go there? But they're not thinking about you. They're seeking the Lord, and the Lord goes, oh, <laughs> what did I find? Oh, I found someone who is about me. Someone who's about my interests. Someone that doesn't care what people say. Someone that put me first. Okay. Young man, how, how, how can I help you, young man? How, how can I get you encouraged? How can I get you feeling encouraged? What, what, is, what is it that I can do for you to bless you, to encourage you, to keep you? See, because when you, when you make, when you take interest... This all started by Joseph not having an emotional overreaction to something that seemed radically disappointing. Hello? He doesn't have an emotional, ooh, an outburst. Oh, my wife's, oh, you know. He just, he sits there. And we live in a culture that doesn't want to think, it wants to feel. Want to feel. He sits there. And he thinks about what's going on and what's he going to do. And in the context of his sincerity and his thinking, God shows up. God wants to show up right in your mind. God shows up, but he, 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 he's thinking. Part of loving God with all of your mind, I hate to inform you, it requires that you have to think. <laughs> it's like people don't want to think. Like we will do anything. Can I say this? We will do anything to avoid having hard thoughts. Hard thought. Oh, we don't want to think about that. Netflix. Boop. Now I'm so tired, I cannot think about anything. Right? I'm not against Netflix. I'm just saying we, we do whatever we can to avoid the hard conversations. But one of the things I found out is sometimes the only way forward is through hard conversations. And the stronger people in the kingdom can have hard conversations. People who are going to get strong and be established, they, they can handle Hard conversations. People who cannot are not healthy and they have to get healed. Usually a dad issue. Because how do I know? Your dad never had that conversation with you. And what is ministry? Ministry is usually what your dad didn't do. How do I know? 
Joshua has to circumcise a whole generation of men who was not circumcised by their daddy. That's ministry 101. So anyway, this is really something to me that, that let, let me give you one last thing. Bethlehem in Hebrew, it means the house of bread. Bethlehem in Arabic means the house of meat. He is the bread. I wish I could sing. If I could sing, I'll bust out. Ah! I'll bust out in a black song like, woo! He is the bread of life and he is the lamb of God from Bethlehem, from a little place, the highly exalted son of God who 2,000 years later we're still singing to him, born in a manger, Crucified under Pontius Pilate, was dead and buried, and the third day he rose. How do I believe and know he rose? Look historically. The Roman Empire, the one that crucified him, crosses used to be a symbol of death. Without a resurrection, they don't become a symbol of life and hope. It reshaped human history, and you don't even have to believe. Just open your eyes and look. Just open your eyes objectively and look. Go to Rome. Go there. Go, go, open your eyes. How does a symbol of death stand for a, a symbol of healing and life and resurrection. Only through resurrection. Resurrection has the power to transform a symbol. Only resurrection can do that. I didn't make that up. It's there. It's history. It's, it's happened. So Jesus, born in a manger, humbled himself to the death of a cross for us, for you, for me. For we, it's like, this, good, I, this is good news. Now, some of the things I said may be like, not easy to hear, but this is good news. Like, Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. So, when my whole entire life and existence was against him, he said, okay, I'll choose you. It's like, I, I'm doing everything, throwing house parties, like an idiot thinking you're free. And he goes, no problem, I'm moving in. It's like a crack house. It's like, I'm moving in. You know, like, he puts his poster up on the wall, you know. Everyone's like, oh. He's like, I'm moving in. That's the God we serve, a good God. You know that God is in a good mood? People don't believe that. He's in a good mood. He's happy. God is like... People think, this is what they think about the Bible, that God was off his medicine in the Old Testament. He took his medicine in the New Testament. And now he's just, you know, waiting for this all to end. No. God is happy. God is in a good mood. God said peace on earth and goodwill toward men. He, he never took back what he said. That's still the heart of God. The heart of God is still peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But to enter into that goodwill... To enter into that goodwill, I've got to position myself to do what it is that he wants. Because my behavior does not change how he feels about me. My behavior changes what I receive from him. Very simple. All right, we're done. To the believer, 
You're not alone. You are not alone. I feel alone. I feel lonely. You're not alone. You're not your feelings. The point of the story is that God wants to live among us. That's good news in and of itself. We're not alone. God wants to live with us. Three, your life should be radically different if God lives in and among us. Now, you know this. I'm going to tell you this. It's the holidays. So everyone is now pretending like they live in a clean house. When people come to my house, I tell them my house is usually more dirty than this, usually more, more chaotic than this. And that's honestly true. With God, you don't have to pretend. The sense of fakeness, the church face, <laughs> you don't have to pretend with God. Isn't that freeing, though? That, to me, that's liberating. You can be like, yo, I'm a hot mess. I, I, I need help. No problem. I'm glad you have the courage to be honest, son. I'm glad you have the courage to be honest, daughter. Everyone around you knows that. <laughs> we were just waiting for you to say it. You know. So anyway, all right, let's just pray. This was a full hostage. I'm sorry. Fully not really sorry. I'm halfway sorry. If Brett were here, he would say you shouldn't be sorry. But Lord, I just thank you so much for the generous love that you have. That you would give your best. Your one and only son. Only begotten. Full of grace and full of truth. Who came to pitch a tent. Right where we live. So Jesus we cherish you. And my prayer for those who are still discovering you. Is that they would have the courage to be honest with you. And to share what you already know. So that you might come in and help. And be the counselor. So I pray Lord that you would fill the rest of this day with purpose. With joy. And with peace. In Jesus name. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.